From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Ferris from International Strategic Management. Ferris, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you so much, Brad. So nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So to start us off, maybe you can just tell me a bit about yourself and your company and what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you so much for, for that, Brad. Yeah, I basically a little bit about me. I'm an immigrant to the U.S. and uh, I'm lucky to be in Michigan. So that's a little snippet. And basically for the last 20 some years, we've been doing entrepreneurship and small business development support, mainly with nonprofit, large corporations or large government agencies setting up programs for entrepreneurs to either start businesses or grow businesses in their communities. That's awesome. So as we're getting into things, you know, I think one of the things I'm really interested to talk about is some of the important lessons you've learned along the way, how those have shaped your approach to leadership and what you're doing and all that. So let's just dive right in. I'd love to hear some of those. Oh, you're very kind. Well, I'm lucky, man, because I get to work with a lot of wonderful and awesome people like you, right? Entrepreneurs who either found companies or growing companies. So I get to not only practice my own practice, but then watch what they're doing and how they're doing it and my little insights, sharing it with them and how they react to it and what happens. So I've learned a lot. One of the things I learned quickly on on that is you got to do things and it's not going to be perfect, but you got to keep improving it. That's one thing that I learned really quickly from those entrepreneurs. So it's, it's my, my journey personally started somewhat similar that I had to learn how to do something without me really knowing much about it. And then you have to study it and study it and continue to improve and then bring in people that are, know much more about it than you do. And hopefully they support you in a meaningful way. What are maybe some main pieces of advice that you give them? What are some common themes and like challenges you see and just things you've learned along the years working with a lot of companies? Yeah, thank you. I think there are a few things that seems to repeat almost always. And some of them I think you might be familiar with because you might have faced them yourself. I, but I will go back and say, before I say any of these things, one is, it all depends ultimately on what the entrepreneurs or the small business owners wants to do. So the mindset of where you want to go will actually affect what I'm going to say about next. Because if you're in the mindset that you want to grow a business, it's going to be completely different than if you are in the mindset that I want to create a business for me. So that's two different equal path that have a different mindset, different approaches, different mentality. And the second thing I'm going to say is also if you're building a technology business versus if you're building a non-technology or a place-based business, there is a different mindset for each one of them that comes with it. There are similarities for sure in all of this stuff, but there are definitely some, I call them minor modifications that actually make big impacts in the effect of the business of what's going to happen to it. So if I go back and reflect the biggest thing that usually entrepreneurs struggle with when they're in the mindset of growing is the letting go of control. So they feel like they get a job because they know how to do it best and so on and so forth. And my experience has been that when I say, I understand that you want to do it, can you find someone that could do some of it? So rather than trying to give everything to somebody, 
and it's trying to think about one thing that you give to someone so they could do that one thing probably better than you could do it or I can do it or both of us doing it together because they might specialize in it or they might have been spending more time on it so they have a lot more insights. And once I, once they break through that idea of letting go of one thing only, could be making a reply to the email, could be the blog, could be whatever that one thing. And then they start giving someone else. And then, of course, they have to invest the time and the effort to train them because he, that person might not do it exactly how they wanted it. And they might not do it how they see it should be done. Once they let go of that and then they start coaching them, and but not bossing them, difference, right? Coaching them on how, what they want to get out of it versus what they should be doing step A, step two, step three. I'm not saying you shouldn't share because you should share your steps because that might be insightful for the person also that you hired. But once they let go and they give that to a person, usually within three to six months, a big growth happens within the business for the person themselves as a leader, but also for the organization as far as results. So letting go of what they usually like to do all the time is one. The second is trust. So trusting that the there's a process that will take place that it might not work perfectly and you might have to adjust. So advising them on that you gotta let you gotta trust the people that you hire to do the job. And if you don't trust them, then either train them or support them in a way that is meaningful or you got to replace them if you don't have that much trust in them. So that's a conversation that usually is not an easy one to have. So that would be a second one. And I will end it with a third one is investment in the scale up versus the startup is a completely different thing because when you're starting, I call it survivor mindset. So usually at least the entrepreneurs I work with, I didn't, I work with mainly underserved, underrepresented or under-resourced. So usually Unfortunately, they don't have the luxury to say, let me try something. If it doesn't work out, we'll see how it works because they're trying to live. So what happens is when they are when they start that way, it's really harder to shift to the growth mindset to say, I don't have to take all the money and I could live actually with less, you know, $1,000 less every month because I could get by with it, but I'm going to take the thousand and hire someone to do the job. That's usually a big challenge to shift from what I call it from a survivor mindset to a growth mindset. So those would be maybe the three things, letting go of the work, trusting that the people will do it, and then the mindset shift. I probably will order a mind shift first, trust second, and third, letting go. <laughs> I love that. Such great advice. And when it comes to actually growing and getting more revenue and finding customers and all that, I think this is something probably every startup's thinking about right now especially with the changing economy and all that stuff. How do you think companies should adapt in these times and how should they properly pursue growth and handle sales, marketing, all that? Yeah, I think one of the challenges that people sometimes do, and if you look back and reflect, like most businesses actually started in a downtime economy. The big ones today, they all started in downtown economy. And if you do more research, you'll find that companies started all the time. It didn't really matter if it's downtown or uptime. There will always be opportunities to be taken advantage of. So the question you want to think about is, A, do I have enough runway, I call it runway, to take advantage of what's happening? Meaning that if I have some money today, can I keep investing in what I need to do, whether it's marketing, technology, as you, since you're in that space, right? And people, can I 
pay them enough to keep me running for the three months, six months, nine months that will take me to get to where I need to go. So therefore I could create a system in place to scale up my business because most businesses that scale need some kind of system in place. Sometimes you could scale, I call it randomly, which is possible for those who want to scale with a strategic mindset, then it might take better chances if you really plan it. It doesn't mean that you will succeed in it. It just, you have a better chance of succeeding at it because you at least know what to expect. So I think investing in those kinds of resources becomes key. So as we look at today and what's happening for those who want to scale, I would say one, understand, do you have enough runway to run through the exercise of wanting to scale? Because when it's tough economy, you might not be getting the sales that you need to get to where you need to go. So breaking it down to daily, weekly, monthly goals and going after them and being strategic, then you could narrow down the chances or the opportunities of you not doing well, because now you are bringing it down to, okay, within a week, if we don't get two sales, what are we going to do about it? And that kind of mindset could really help. How about the product? I think when you're building a company, there's this balance between is the product good enough and are people going to be happy with it? And are we getting it to market fast enough? How do you balance those things? It's a dance. <laughs> and the reason I say it's a dance because you get all the steps for sure. But then occasionally you might step on someone's toe and you just have to be both parties, your customers, as well as you, when you're doing that, you have to be ready to A, apologize for stepping in someone's toe, and then B, ready to accommodate them to make sure that they're ready to take on. What I will say is what you don't want to do is stop. Because once you step on someone's toe, the first reaction for anyone is to stop and see if everything's okay. It's just part of the dance. You got to step on someone's toe, try not to step too hard, and try to really move quick and then just to keep moving forward. That's really the key, keep moving forward. So I think I have never yet seen any perfect products. And if anyone tells you differently, I'd love to see that. I've touched 100 countries and thousands, if not millions of entrepreneurs. Some might claim that this is a perfect product. And sometimes I might say this is perfect for me, but the reality is it's never perfect. It's always gonna continue to improve. It doesn't mean that it's not a great product, I also feel there's a difference between getting a perfect product, but not being a good enough, meaning that you could always improve it. You could always improve it. I don't think when I look at the big companies today, like Apple's or Microsoft, they all produce amazing products, right? At the end of the day, they're not perfect because every once in a while I'll get, here's an update for your software. <laughs> that if you don't do it, your phone not might function correctly or your operation system might crash or it might be slow. So I think the key is to do a good job and you have to say at one point it's good enough to put in the marketplace and continue to improve it. Because if you don't get the customer's sales, A, maybe it's not a product that they want it anyway, no matter how much better you get it to be, it's not good enough for them anyway. So you got to put it in the market, let the market tell you, and then correct it as much as you can as once you launch it. Absolutely. That's such great advice. As we think about kicking off this year, are there any specific initiatives, programs, frameworks, things that you're seeing are really good to put in place as you're building a company? The biggest thing I'm seeing is people right now, some of them are scared from what's going to happen just because of the economy and where it's going. What I'm seeing with the ones who are doing really well, they're not scared. They're actually excited <laughs> and they're strategically planning for it. I would say I would encourage you from the trends that I'm seeing to plan for things. We'll use this term, 
initially when you start a business, for those who are starting businesses, you don't need to plan too much. You need to plan, I usually say, within a piece of napkin or a page. But at one point, if you want to grow, you're going to have to shift that to say, all right, that one page or is no longer enough. I got a plan for maybe two or three pages. I'm not telling you should create a 15-page business plan, which you can do for those who need it. I'm just saying you might want to think about planning for strategically. And a lot of times we get stuck with, uh, I call it the noise around us. All this, I call it noise happening. So economy this, economy that. At the end of the day, most of us entrepreneurs or small business owners, you're really working in a much more smaller environment than the bigger environment. It doesn't mean that it isn't affected. It will affect it. But understanding how that affects it on a daily basis is going to make a difference. Meaning, sure, there might be some downtime, but people are going to still have to buy a service. They're going to still have to buy a product. They're going to still have to eat bread. They're going to still have to go shopping. They're going to still have to run a business. So no matter which spectrum of business are you doing, there will be someone looking for your services. The question is, maybe the number of people looking for your service in that city no longer valid. So now you have to expand to other cities or you have to shift who you're selling it to. You were selling it to doctors. Now you got to sell it to hospitals, right? So these kinds of things could shift, but I would say, don't be scared, be strategic. That would be my one sentence for 2023. Absolutely. Don't be scared, be strategic. I love that. So on that note, Ferris, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate all the wisdom and insights you've shared. Other than that specific thing, any wrap-up thoughts, closing remarks? I'm always honored and thankful for the opportunities for entrepreneurs allow me to be part of their journey because sure, it's a, they might be gaining something, but I'm also gaining something being part of their journey going through it. And I think my closing thoughts would be don't take success as a destination Think about it as a journey. I love that. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on. And it's been great to have you. Thank you so much for making the time. I'm looking forward to having more discussions with you. Absolutely.